Welcome to the Emerging Biotech Leader, where we help biotech leaders maximize the value of their therapeutics from clinical development to product launch. We're your hosts. I'm Kim Kushner. And I'm Ramin Farhood. We are here to help you navigate the pitfalls of the biotech industry and illuminate the path forward. On today's episode of the Emerging Biotech Leader, we are going to be talking about the medical office as a key differentiator to funding and investment strategies. We'll be hitting on themes around how to differentiate the medical office and medical functions in an investor strategy, as well as how to really think about a platform versus an asset play and, and how to think about and, and message the differences in building out your organization to investors. In our last episode, we spoke with the founder and CEO of Cove Therapeutics, Miran Shah. He spoke a lot about his own personal journey to becoming a CEO as well as how he's differentiated Cove both on a scientific basis as well as how he has translated that to his investor thesis. And that'll be the core of a lot of today's conversation where we're really excited to welcome our founder and CEO, Doug Locke, who himself is an entrepreneur, an investor, and an advisor to a number of startup companies, both in the biotech space as well as across industries, and has been doing this throughout his career. So truly his, his area of expertise to dive into. So welcome to the show, Doug. Thanks for inviting me, and it's thrilling to watch you both uh, excel at yet another great skill, but it, it wasn't lost on me sitting in the waiting room, watching you both chat with Niran, fawning over the idea of such a dynamic, affable, and capable CEO. So um, I enjoyed it as well. He is an incredible guy. He really is, and he's really he's differentiating his business on the idea of the scientific basis and, and having that core medical and scientific story, but he himself also has gone from an MSL to a CEO, which is an incredibly unique career path. And uh, it really shows in how he talks about the business, how he understands the business and really understands the science and what's going to differentiate them and their success and how they build their story for investors. As we think about his story and the investor narrative overall, I'd love to just posit the first conversation topic around how do we think about differentiating the medical office as you know, building that investor thesis. It's something that a lot of organizations struggle with. They they struggle with how much to invest in, in medical early on. How do they think about that as a strategic value add to, to their investor story? Let's maybe start there because I, I think that's probably of the most important things that, that we could really be thinking about. Yeah. Uh, Niran, I think, did a good job describing how he approached the equation. And, you know, they were thinking through a few dimensions of the investment thesis in total, but also as you as you brought up the the medical office, obviously against the backdrop of the AAB environment, he was thinking about all the counter narratives to the risk aperture, immunogenicity, uh, you know, dealing with payloads, and he you know they were thinking through that as a business thesis. So I guess the, the first point, you know, he would probably tease out, and I think he did, what is you know think about how to uh, how to differentiate the model in a way that both the investor community would understand maybe a, a scientific and medical team could adopt, but also that will serve the patient community. He brought the patient numerous times, which is great to hear, you know, a CEO talk about that. Um, but, you know, converging all those things in an investment thesis and then a fundraising strategy, obviously very challenging. And, he, you know, he talked about some of his thinking of a, a seed round A um, and what the medical office needs to do. Uh, and I guess I'll just flip it back to you, but the medical office is the value driver in that phase, often underthought in terms of its structure because of resource scarcity, not having the right players involved yet. You know, CMO might not be there. 
maybe the CSO is around and, and the CEO and team is left with, you know, performing all the deltas that what a medical team, if it were stationed, would be thinking about. So, you know, obviously we have thoughts about that process, but that's the challenge. How do you move left or right and, you know, without those scientific resources and medical resources around you and triangulate the things that we just talked about? That, that is the rub. This is something that we hear a lot of our clients, right? There are smaller biotech, some of the smaller biotech companies, the startups. This is the exact challenge they go through and which comes down to resourcing. And at what point in your experience working with multiple CEOs and CMOs, do you see that the, the bringing in the medical office in, in a sequential manner where they actually fully adding value to the process and differentiating process where do you see that happening? And when do you think that that's the, that's the right time to start approaching that? And how do you build that up? It's a great question. And there's obviously lots of ways of doing it. And, you know, even in our client partners, even in the, the companies we've invested in, they've done it differently. So there's clearly a lot of paths to success, but, you know, some common challenges, like when to hire the CMO, Niren was poking at this, right? Like giving them time to hire their their archetype, their you know their phenotype, the person that they want uh, that will adopt these cultural leadership, and it's usually bespoke to the company what they really need from that leader. And obviously, we try to tease that out in some of the work we we do when we partner with organizations at that phase. But that's a key determination. Like when are they onboarding that resource? Do they need it at the seed? Should they have it in, in advance of the A? Generally, yes. Um, and you know and the investors might have a strong hand in, in some of that stuff because they pull demand at times for some of those some of the some of those thoughts to be developed maybe even prematurely for the organization. But there's many ways to bring that to market. Really, you know, I guess the, the, the and, and more and more, especially pedigreed CEOs, um, they're discovering alternate ways of adding talent to the enterprise that isn't an FTE, but rather skill arbitrage and you know talents, advisors, board members as proxies. So a lot of creative, we're seeing it, a lot of creative configurations moving left to right on timeline of different types of resources, opposed to thinking everything's within the halls of this organization. Everything's finite, you know, employee related. That is probably one of the most daunting challenges. Um, and, you know, for first time CEOs, they, they often get coached into that kind of thinking. It's kind of the, you know, more conventional known way of doing it. And you know, I'll tell you, there's some, I had a conversation in the last five days with two CEOs that they'll never build an organization that way again. The more flexibility they can create in these early stages, the better. And really, they don't want it. Not, not, not to say there's anything wrong with the hiring FTEs. Of course, we need to do all that, create the culture, create the company, but maintain flexibility in these early stages as you're advancing the scientific thesis and proving out early data points. So that's a big thing I hear everybody talking about. Yeah, one thing that Niren spoke a good amount, and I, I think it's important for us to pontificate on as well, is how much can you actually show when you're talking about, you know, a seed stage organization, preclinical asset? It sounds like a, a lot of the value of the medical office is really being able to codify how much, how much can you bring to investors? What can you tell them? How can you start to think about the value of an individual asset? in the marketplace and what the potentiality of that asset is. Or for some organizations, they're thinking much broader. They're thinking about the platform play. And I, I know we want to dig into that quite a bit as well. But I see the medical office really as the crux of the organization to be able to do those things and to really differentiate what 
what these assets can bring to market. How do we think about the clinical development plans? How do we start to build that full vision of where the organization can and will be so that there is a core story to tell investors and for them to actually want to buy into? Can we speak a little bit about that? And there's a couple of pieces in there, of course. It's a great posit. I mean, there's a bunch of, like you said, a bunch of threads. I want top of mind is the is the asset portfolio discussion. And and again, I'm thinking last 10 days, three, maybe five discussions with leaders where they're kind of going through trials and tribulations of what their messaging is to the market, about where they're investing their time and, and use of proceeds and direction of the company relative to develop. And, and Niran poked at this a little bit too. He was uh, pivoting around those types of thoughts of you know what to show sustainability in a broader way against multiple uh, endpoints and targets or focus on the eye you know and, and in his case they chose a very specific direct focus um, but still there's a the decision to make on where to invest dollars on uh, clinical outcomes or driving toward clinical outcomes or kind of investing in proving out the platform itself and for the seed stage companies really they should be focused on having a very discreet message that they're going to prove the platform through something or they're going specifically after substantiation of the platform. And often they're varying between those two messages, it creates ambiguity in what they're asking for and a mixed message to the people that are contemplating what to do. In fact, Niran as an investor, I think he echoed that very concern of something he just heard about. So yeah, if stick to a script, you know, come up with the value prop, use the medical office to drive the value of the platform orientation or the asset orientation, usually the latter as a first target to substantiate a seed round and uh, then, you know, engage the investor community and, and run with it uh, and, you know, bang against things until you're proven wrong. To your point, then how do you how do you de-risk all of that? Everything you just said is perfect when, when you're going and everything is happening as planned. And it's always a good idea also have a de-risking also maybe in parallel to thinking about it or a perspective. How do we how do we do that? How do you approach that? de-risking early decisions that a company at that stage is making. I, I do think that gets in a little bit of what, you know, we try to do with some of the client partners in thinking through um, a portfolio prioritization and really thinking through what differentiates this, you know, the platform from a safety, efficacy, uh, payload perspective, and then, you know, being intentional about the various resource programs that actually prove out an inflection point, like they should be thinking about, we need to, if, we're, if it's about payloads, that's what we need to substantiate. So what are we doing to advance a, a you know, resource consumption to, to provide data to our prospective investor community? But thinking about that stuff intentionally, lining it up and sequencing it and empowering it. You know, it's no good to have an inflection point to Kim's question about the medical office where they don't have the right advisory proxy array or you know internal team to go after it obviously that's that's not a successful path but you know sometimes it's identify the path and build the team in parallel and then hit the target you know and that's where maybe some of this skill is certain insertion skill arbitrage can really make a huge difference because you can't get those three months back so if they've got an eight-month window and they're not making progress till month four because of resourcing that's a real problem and that's, I think, what the pedigreed CEO is like, you know, teasing out in a different way than maybe some of the, you know, first time through the running a company type uh, situation. Niran is a, a pro. Niran had a, a really great point on a lot of that in, in terms of de-risking how he's building Cove, where he really spoke about the fact that 
there are 10 employees. He doesn't have the intention to build a huge organization anytime soon. He's really leaning on strategic partners to help fill key gaps. He's also leaning into his own personal network and his mentors. And he's, I think he called it stacking the cards relative to his board and the people that he's surrounding himself with to make sure that he has the skills, the expertise, and the experience set amongst the people around him to really deliver against the promises that he's making from an investor perspective and from a vision for what the company is going to be you know, in the next couple of years and how he's going to get there. So I, I completely agree in, in terms of the skill arbitrage and, and really thinking about kind of building, building the team around him. He also spoke a lot about how they're differentiating on things like manufacturing and CMC costs, which I, I just personally found very interesting knowing the themes of the gene therapy space over the last three to five years. And in prior episodes, we spoke to uh, Suku, who, who also references a lot of the same challenges that this space is, is really seeing. So it's interesting to hear um, manufacturing being a differentiator that's helping to drive down costs de-risking the asset itself and being non-viral, um, but then the medical office and, and really how he's thinking about the team he's building, the skills he's bringing to the table, how he's building his clinical plans, kind of being the third leg of that stool to make sure that the company is de-risked and de differentiating the story that he's bringing to investors along the way. Agreed. You know, as you said, Kim, Suku and Mirren, and also the two podcasts both both said similar things here. You know, in one case it was, you know, be self-aware. In this case, it's, you know, arbitrage on the people around me to create value, right? Like two, two different takes on what to do about the situation of a skill gap and, or just resource gap and the people to move both ideas, de-risking constructs, uh, progress with the, with the assets and platform and engagement of third parties, the investment community, you know, key strategic investors and, the patient community and perhaps the KOL community, like how to leverage the people and resources around oneself to advance those things flexibly. That's probably what they would both, you know, say is secret to the success. And I think another part of also de-risking has to do with the fact, obviously you want to have the experts and you want to have the mentors and, and the best of the best so you can go into advice, but it also quite, helps quite a bit if you have the contrary opinion as well. Right, that that you don't quite see eye to eye on a certain thing, uh, because that also helps you to kind of pressure test your own ideas with with the team and to start thinking at multiple different angles when you're approaching something, making sure that uh, you're kind of covering the the from a comprehensive approach and a strategic approach as opposed to just really being single focus on one thing and go 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 without really knowing that you you didn't really think about some of the advice that you've been getting through because they might not have been aligned with your initial thinking. So I think that contrary opinion also helps quite a bit, of course, from the right, the right individuals. Um, and that's something that perhaps we don't necessarily do. That's something that I've experienced that partnering with, um, with consulting firms, to be very honest, sometimes they have the contrary view because they've, they've seen and experienced quite a, quite a bit. And, that that could initially may come across that well now I don't really agree but when you go a little bit deeper you realize there may be something there and it helps you build or rebuild your initial idea and opinions or your strategy even stronger. Do you guys agree with that? Do you do you see that? Um, is that necessary? 
I might reframe contrary to more objective. I think having those outside advisors, whether it's your partners on the delivery side, whether it's, you know, in-source partners, like SSI or other partners or your advisors on your board or your personal mentors, having those objective points of view allow you to poke at these problems from a different perspective to make sure that you actually have thought about every permutation, the potential scenarios, and the roadblocks that you are inevitably going to hit at some point. I think a lot of the challenges we've been seeing in the industry are people hit roadblocks that they never planned for. It's not that these things aren't going to happen. They are going to happen. But how you prepare for them and then how you deal with them, I think, is a differentiator for companies that succeed and those, those who don't. So taking that time up front, bringing in the experience set to ask the right questions, to your point, in a productive way, push back in areas where you need to hear it. So saying the things that, having the people that will say the things you need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear, and enabling that to help shape the story and the arc of the company is really going to kind of change the game for most organizations. I agree with both of you. um, We've all seen, it can be a lot of pressure on individuals that are part of a company to not be, you know, in a bit of an echo chamber at times, you know, about, the direction they're going and, you know, to your point, Kim, maybe readiness to pivot because something doesn't play out the way they want. Uh, and, and often people have thoughts about that, that it, it's just difficult to escalate. Now, I'm talking more about an extended organization. This is less true in these early stages where a medical office can be dynamic and where Niran probably is right now because he's got people with absolutely, he's surrounded by people with very aggressive points of view. So he's hearing it you know, left and right, and he's navigating it. It's good to have those voices in the room, like Ramin said, you know, having that there is, if, if you don't have that around you, you're probably in the wrong room because if, uh, you know, if, if everyone's saying the same thing, A, not everyone's necessary in that room, but B, we're probably missing some of the dimensions that are going to make the asset company and, and the, you know, the thesis better. Um, and uh, the people we know that are, you know, looking backwards at success would, would say they had that around them. From your point of view, we've, we've spoken about a, a number of different key themes here. The medical office helping to really differentiate the organization, especially as you're going for whether it's your seed round, your A round, really any funding round at any point, there's a, a huge value to be had in, in how you leverage your medical office and the permutations of the medical office are going to look very different at each one of those stages. What advice did you give Niran a year ago? What advice would you give other entrepreneurs at a similar stage? whether they're first going for their seed, they're going for their A, they've just taken on this role. What what could you offer them from your experience and having these conversations day in and day out? There's really no reason to go through the journey without testing the market for different forms of advisory support and the structures that Niran talked about um, and, and obviously that we advocate for and we provide ourselves. But there's really no reason to go resource deficient uh, during the early, it's, it's probably at this point with the market, with the different types of service orgs, different investors that, that will come to the table, you know, we will come in and de- help de-risk an investment. But without, you know, talking about us, just taking advantage of the knowledge that's in the marketplace in creative ways. Um, there's no reason to be linear thinking through the organic team and what we have and not testing and pressuring that in some ways. So that, that would be one. And the next would be, you know, thinking intentionally about the medical office build the, as we move from A to say, I'm sorry, a seed to an A round, you know, just to advance the, the company maturity a little bit, um, 
the often the, the 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 medical office is fragmented from the corporate strategy, or I should say, it's not connected in a way that's accretive to the corporate strategy. This is you know something we're super passionate about, of course, but. There's no reason you can't build a connected medical team that's actually advancing the, the core milestones of, of the organization due to the dimensionality typically of the CMO, so many so many functions they have to own. When they're deficient in one of these areas, it, some companies can maybe write them off from investor relations or whatever it might be, the, the, the full breadth of 10 different skills they have to have. But there's no reason not to connect, create a connected medical office that's in, par- in you know, in parallel with the corporate BD in- uh, investment relations strategy, that's adding value to the enterprise and is a handshake there. Well, Doug, thank you so much for joining the conversation today. Really great insights, and we look forward to having you again on the show soon. I can't tell you what it's a thrill to watch two professionals do such great craft work. Um, I think you're you're both fantastic at this, and thanks to Niran, uh, that you've been impressive. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to the Emerging Biotech Leader, an SSI strategy podcast. Join us each month for more conversations with biotech leaders. If you'd like to help navigating the complexities of biotech, reach out to our team at ssistrategy.com. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review.